Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Today, I'm here with Stephen and Jessalyn Willis from American Water Locators, and I'm so excited to have them on because not only do they have a great business, they're actually local friends of mine, too. Hi, guys. Hi. So tell me a little bit more about just kind of the rough what an American Water Locator company does. Yeah, so. um, Oh, you know what? I'm going to stop right there. Just tell me about you guys. All right. Well, <laughs> oh, geez. I hate talking about myself. Right? Um, well, you know, you're on the spot now. No. So, I don't know. We've been married for 20, 20, 20 years. And uh, we had kids. We started having kids right away. And I don't know, for the first long, I don't know, 10, 12 years, it was kind of like a hand to mouth type of thing where we paycheck to paycheck just kind of wasn't very cool i mean we <laughs> had a great there. <laughs> we had a great life we, we were happy yeah. um but we started thinking about like what are what are our kids gonna do things just keep getting tougher and tougher and mm-hmm. uh you know one one year we decided to not take our income tax and put it towards things we owed on or or wanted to get our debt down because that's what we normally did mm-hmm. one year i just decided you know i'm pretty good at this one thing i'm gonna go ahead and try to do it yeah and so that was our first like business move was which coffee was roasting coffee roasting <laughs> yeah which i love your coffee awesome <laughs> yeah and so yes i was like well we were like we need something more, you know, because it was really more like it turned into like a hobby business. Mm-hmm. So it did out, you know, it helped um, provide food and more clothing and, you know, like stuff like that. But it wasn't like a game changer. Right. So um, like seven years ago, yeah. eight, seven, seven years ago, we decided to um, purchase some equipment that could locate water in the ground because I'd been. I've been helping off and on for the last, you know, 20 years doing, doing that type of work, uh, also in the drilling industry. And so we bought, uh, our equipment cause we knew it worked well. You had great success rate and yeah, a couple of years after I bought it. Cause you know, when you first start something, it's always slow. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, Just getting your advertisement out. Yeah. Getting people to know mm-hmm. about you, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, so I still worked a, a day job and roasted coffee on the side and, uh, did that on the weekends. And then well, I kind of joke that people in our area, like all have multiple income streams. So, I mean, we, yeah, I think we have like five income streams. So I call them cookie jars. Yeah. That's yeah. what we, <laughs> cookie jar. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, well, we took a break actually and went to Guatemala to do some mission work using our technology 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so we'd go into um, remote villages and we would locate water before the other missionaries who were drilling would come through because they were hitting like, you know, half, half their wells were dry when they were going into these villages. Yeah, you probably like cut their costs in half. Yeah. Well, we're talking about, yeah, because we're talking about don- donated money and time. Yeah. Right. And like the resources. It's resources yeah. that are donated. And when they're not, when they're not making the best impact that they can, then, then there's a problem, right? I mean, I think that's really amazing because so many people see mission work as just going in and witnessing to people and they right. don't realize that there's so much more that goes into it through services. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, water is a necessity. You mm-hmm. can't. And uh, a lot of most of the countries around the world, they have terrible water situations. They're sick. They're dying. Uh, they have to walk hours a day just getting five gallon buckets or yeah. whatever. It's not like the U.S. where we turn on a tap and and good to go. Yeah. So, so exactly. Still- I mean, it just it changes their quality of life so much and what they're able to spend their time on too. Like right. health and you know education and everything. Yeah, school yeah. is a big thing. If, if the kids are walking four hours a day to get water, they're not, they're not going to school. Mm-hmm. From the bad water, if they get like giardia or something, they're down for another week or two, and they can't yeah. leave the house because they're not feeling well. So school, yeah. not affects the whole family. Yeah, right. if parents aren't well, then they can't go to work and they can't provide the tortillas and the salt. For the table <laughs> um, i like just, bringing home the bacon bringing home the tortillas yeah. the tortillas right so i think i could live off of tortillas so you know we've done <laughs> we've done it my husband he's always like i think you're part mexican and i'm like i grew up in california it's the same thing right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um i don't know we still so, go back and forth to guatemala yeah uh we spent a couple weeks there at a time that type of thing. That's wonderful. But after that, so we came back. Yeah. So we came back and we were going to, we were going to move to Montana or Wyoming, really. Or even Texas. Or Texas. We weren't sure. We weren't sure. I just got back from Texas. It was 112. <laughs> we almost <Yeah>. died yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like 90 something. We were dead. <laughs> yeah. 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 We did SeaWorld in 112 with humidity. Oh. Yeah, I, I'm still recovering, and that was almost a week ago. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, so we, I don't know. I was going to a job in Montana, the first time I'd ever been up in this area, and um, drove through, and I was like, "This is it." Oh. And so, we so were. We, he was traveling up into this area a lot. Yeah. Um, and either Spokane or like up north of Spokane, or mm-hmm. like through into Montana, and it's like you know, two or three trips a month over here. It was like for a few days at a time. And we knew we were moving. So we thought, oh, well, I guess that's as good a place. It's a good central location. Yeah. There's something about this community that once you're here, you're sucked in. Yeah, Yeah. it's true. It's true. We came up one time and we were like, yep, that's the place. That's that basket. Yeah, exactly. So, so once we moved here, I, I decided not to do a second job, like a, a normal job. It was like, just bite the bullet and do it. Mm-hmm. And we've done 
well enough. Except for this winter, it was kind of rough. It was a slow winter, so I took a job locally a couple days a week at uh, Samuel's gas station. So Nice. <laughs> you know what's I cool, though, is I, I love it because I get to meet my whole community. Yeah. Right? Community store. It's, it's the of. only thing around for 15 miles in any direction. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. what he meets there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've liked, I like going in there, but, you know, and that's you know, we live out in the middle of nowhere where yeah. we're at. We're all the way on the border. Yeah. And so like every year I do those VFW craft shows, which is where I met you guys. Yeah. Right. Because that's my chance to get to meet everybody. I maybe sell one curriculum while I'm there. It's more just a chance to sit and visit with the community. I usually sell more pork there. Like I get people signed up to buy pork for the year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's been a nice experience for him, I feel like. And yeah. And then they started carrying our coffee in their restaurant. Yeah, in the cafe. Oh, nice. So that's been cool. I love their bacon-wrapped meatloaf burgers. Yeah, yeah. Lots, lots of people I've love never that. I've had one, but it sounds yeah. good. They have really uh, good. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> yeah, they are good. So tell us a little bit about, you know, my original question that I jumped the gun on because I get nerdy and excited. Yeah. <laughs> um, You've talked about water locating, but we ex- want to explain that a little bit more and like what, how your equipment works and. Yeah, sure. So, um, so a client calls us, they finally find out about us because they've drilled two dry wells or See, whatever. I they knew about you in the first place. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I don't, as hard as I try to market, I don't, you know, people just don't think about it, mm-hmm. you know? A way to find water except for if you have a couple of copper rods in your witching um but we get like use ballistics i don't understand did <laughs> i was over in montana i don't know a month and a half ago and this 70 year old lady probably 70 she's walking around with me using her willow stick and it's just you know it's a y shape uh-huh. and she's like i saw a guy do that when i was a kid on our uh, on our ranch and i was like i know yeah, he stuck with me so she says you should try this and so she hands me the willow stick i put it in my hand she's like yeah that's that's a good firm you know grasp on it and then she's like okay just start walking around i took two steps maybe and the willow stick smacks me in the face so i was like it's funny because like i don't know 75 percent of the calls i get are from people who have had their well witched and still got a dry well of course i don't hear all I don't hear all the success stories, right? I only hear mm-hmm. when they don't have water. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those things that at one point that probably was the only way, and there's probably some validity to it. Um, yeah. But now that we have the technology that we don't have to do it that way, I mean, I hope that's a skill that doesn't get lost because we may not always have the technology, but I'm so happy that there is a program like you, because even when I did real estate for you know several years, I had no clue that that was an option. Yeah. 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 So the way our equipment works is we come in, we put a couple of like four ground rods in the ground and those act as an antenna. And so we connect their computer up to it and we create a seismic event with like a black powder charge or a really big hammer hitting a plate. And as that wave goes through the ground, if there is water, it releases an electrical signal back to the rods. So seismic wave going down, electrical signal coming back up, 
And so based on the time travel from the source, we can get an estimated depth and how big that signal is we can get an estimated yield. That's amazing. Cause now when I was selling a lot of vacant land, that's the first thing that people need to know about is whether or not there's water. Mm-hmm. And I mean, vacant land sales are almost exclusively cash sales and they happen really fast. Yeah. Yeah. So for people to be able to do their due diligence, they only have sometimes days to make a decision. And so, I mean, it was this like frantic search of like wells in the neighborhood and how deep the other wells in the neighborhood were and those types of things. So like, how does your process work? I mean, I know you have a certain, you have to like schedule people in, but if somebody's looking to buy land, like how can they expect that to work with you guys? I, I run into this uh, quite a bit, actually a fair bit of times people are out there, they find a piece of property, they enter into like a contingency, like, I don't know, whatever you call it. It's a mm-hmm. prelim. Like an inspection the- period. Sure. And they frantically call me like, oh, I need your help. I need it right now because I have to make a decision on property. And so if it's local, most of the time I can get out there and get it done for them. That's Um, wonderful. Yeah, typically, yeah, like local would be like North Idaho um, over to like Colville can area all the way to Kalispell and you've gone further when someone I have I have driven further extra extra time or whatever maybe a week out get get further away okay so like if you were oh sorry no go ahead I was gonna say if you were on a realtor side or a buyer side how much time would you suggest people should ask for in their inspection to find out I would I think a two week inspection period is pretty good. Okay. See, that's, it's so helpful to hear things like that when you can actually put that into like, I don't do real estate anymore, but to be able to educate our listeners. So I feel like if the seller won't allow you to have two weeks, then they're trying to hide something. Okay. Mm-hmm. If, when you're it, paying cash, you can do a two week inspection and close just a few days later. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like, obviously if you're putting an offer out there, you have the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it shouldn't matter to them, right? Yeah. Two weeks. So I feel like if they're not willing, then they're probably trying to hide something. Mm-hmm. Has, has gone and done like a, well, there's a few realtors in Spokane that, or at least one or two that recommend him before people buy. And then it's like, usually we're like, okay, you have two weeks until you can get your report or it will be sooner. But when it's yeah. uh, in this situation, we'll try to get it out within a couple of days. We actually went all the way to Olympia, Washington oh, wow. uh, for someone who was under contract or, you know, yeah. getting ready to buy the land. And um, they waited for us to get there. And then we just did the report within two days. So yeah. Typically, typically you guys do that. There's, you know, I know that like as business owners, we have a certain amount of time that it takes us to do our job and we have other, we have lives and, you know, on down the list, other jobs and stuff. But, you know, when something like that can move forward and help everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're in this to help people like first. 
right? Mm-hmm. Have water. <clears throat> um, you know, it, it is our livelihood, but most of it's just helping people like get what they need to get. Yeah. There's some really good tools. Not everybody needs me either, though. <clears throat> There's really good tools out there. Um, like Idaho, if you go, if you just Google um, well log, mm-hmm. I, it'll bring up the state's Department of Water Resources, and you can look on there. There's an interactive map. They can zoom into their area. It'll populate the screen with little dots around your location, and you can click on those dots, and it'll show you all the well logs. And if if it looks like everybody has water, lots of water, lots of you know, more than five gallons a minute, then you're probably safe. You don't really need me. But if you're in it, you look at those well. Unless you have like a farm or something. Yeah, if you're trying to get twenty gallons a minute, and everyone's got, if like two people have twenty gallons a minute, and the rest of them have three. You might want to call. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And I mean, I've used that quite a bit, but it's sometimes even that can be deceiving. Cause like you look out in paradise Valley where there's lots of wells, but they're all 700 feet deep. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, Washington has the same thing, same tool. I'm, every state has a, an interactive mapping system with well logs on it. So if it just, if it looks sketchy in your area, you, you know, there's no sense in spending $40,000 or $50,000 on something that's not going to produce water. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, fraction of the price, you can call me and have me come out and tell you whether there's water, tell you an estimated depth, and tell you how much you might expect from that well. So you can actually like say how, like, are you talking like how many how big the well is or how many gallons per minute you think they'd be able to get many gallons per minute wow that's amazing we're we're pretty accurate i mean there is the off chance that like maybe it's shallower deeper than i think it is uh or maybe it gets a little more a little less than i think it'll get but you know if it's something i recommend drilling you're going to get water I mean, it's way better than a shot in the dark. So, yeah. exactly. Most drillers will just come out and punch a hole wherever you tell them to punch a hole. Mm-hmm. Right? At the end of the day, it's no sweat off their back, but you still yeah. have to pay them. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, what's it up to? Like $100 a foot now? Yeah. 80 to 100, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's that can get expensive really fast. I mean, even for a fairly shallow well, because you can't use the groundwater in most places. So, I mean, you're looking at minimum 50 feet down. And so that's, I mean, that's still $5,000, but I, it's, and that's never if get one. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And you still have to develop the well. Yeah. You, still, you know, that, yeah. that's not including your pump and your piping and your electricity. Yeah. And- mm-hmm. Yeah, that all adds up really fast. And I think a lot of people don't realize that that is two separate steps and sometimes two separate companies. Yeah. So you're getting someone out there to drill and then someone to put the pump in and everything. So because, you know, drillers and electricians don't always be in the same place. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So... Do you ever work anything with water quality or is it 
No, not so much. Okay. We're into doing like um, filtration systems and stuff, but I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're on that beginning end, I could see where like a pump guy would get into filtration systems, but you're yeah. on the beginning end of that. So, um. I ran out of questions. See, this is the part that we cut <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, so, I think. I yeah, think, what's something I don't know yet? So. I think knowing, like, I mean, we travel a long distance sometimes. We work in Arizona, Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, Montana, Oregon, Washington, obviously all of Idaho. But yeah. Oh, that's good. We, I didn't realize you guys would go that far. Is there not a lot of companies that do what you do or? They're out there and some of them have the same technology as us, but a lot of them are drillers that have the technology, but those drillers generally won't leave their 30 mile circumference around where they live. Right. Okay. So, because they want the work and they don't take their equipment that far so that totally makes sense right because if they're not gonna I mean, they're not gonna go somewhere to locate that they're not gonna drill <clears throat> they generally don't their zone so yeah so you i've heard you say a couple of times like your technology is there other types of technology technology that i'm sorry that my computer keeps beeping i don't know why it's doing that that's <laughs> all right um, so yeah. yeah is there other types of technology out there there are other types of technology um this is the only one that actually images water that i'm aware of at this point okay. uh, the other other technologies will tell you there's a change in geology so if a they can tell you if a, a, a layer is porous or not whether it could hold water like if you drilled into it, would it produce water? They can tell you that, but there's no, yeah, there's, they can't see the water itself. So you could be drilling into a porous area like sand, but there could be no water or a gravel, a gravel lens and no water. So. Okay. So, so they just, they check like the differences in like density and. Yeah, exactly. And so that it doesn't, I mean, there's some success with it, but I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure that ours is the only system that images water itself. Okay. So with that, um, does yours detect any type of geological, like you can be like, there's water 150 feet down, but it's all rock between here and there, or... Um, so that's a lot of that comes into when I'm doing my research on the area. So the program that we run, um, I have to feed in data on the backside about the geology. So I look at geological space, I look at local well logs, and I get an idea of what's in the ground after I get the data. And I have to change the program on the backside to fit that the best I can. And so and then it'll it can change what I'm seeing, right? So 
it's a default setting when I'm collecting the data, but if as soon as I put in like, I don't know, basalt, it'll change what I'm seeing on the screen. So I have to, I have to know what's in the ground to spit out an accurate, um, detailed report. Okay. That's really interesting. Um, so is there like geological reports out there Are you using like soil surveys or? Yeah, there's, there's all sorts of stuff out there. If you just start Googling, you can, you can get into some of these reports put out by the government, by the geological um, outfits out there. It's out there. Okay. Yeah. So do you see this type of technology becoming more common or are you planning on expanding or? Uh, I think it, you know, the more I do, the more people know about us. And then I, I get, you know, you don't know, but I'm going to tell you. Well, okay. <laughs> so like 95% of my work comes from word of mouth. Yeah. So if someone's had me out, had great success with what we've done. And they tell everybody they know that needs, you know, that needs a well, you should call Steve. And so, yeah, 95% of our work comes from word of mouth. That's interesting. I, and, you know, I mean, I can believe that because it's hard sometimes to advertise for something like that. And mm -hmm. in some of the conversations you and I have had, just kind of the realtors and sellers, they're wanting to move so fast. They're not going to be like, hey, let's get a guy out here that's going to give us a yes or no, unless they already know it's a yes. And if they already know it's a yes, they don't need you. Right. And here's the other problem with that is that some realtors don't want to know because if they know they have to say it. they might lose the sale and yeah. then they might lose the sale right if i come out and i say there's no water on this property then i just boshed it for them so yeah. i mean depends on real your realtor if they're yeah. uh if they're honest and good and actually care about you mm -hmm. do something like this but if they don't care they won't say nothing i've talked to lots of realtors in the area they all know about me mm -hmm. none of them none in this area none of them recommend us before buying hmm. i mean i know personally like as a realtor i would feel bad like if somebody bought a piece of property and there was no water and i've <laughs> i've been in a situation before where it wasn't water it was electricity we were told in the sale there's um like you know there's power on the property and there was a previous well there so we're like yeah there's water or there's power but i mean when you're buying a piece of vacant land you can't i mean you, there's a lot of work that would have to go into it to go check and see if that's there's power so we moved forward in the sale and turns out there wasn't power yeah and so um you know they had already bought that they were living in california at the time so i mean they closed out of state and they came up and they're practically neighbors of ours at this point. So I was like, they were fine with the extra cost of getting it put in, but I wasn't okay with all of that. So like, I mean, I called in favors to a local elect electrician and my son who was working as an electrician at the time to really like bring their costs down to make sure that, you know, they were only covering the cost of putting in their own electricity, not from the yeah. car and stuff. So because I feel like that's part of it. Like 
these people, they were good clients of mine and they ended up referring two or three other people to me. And if I would have just let that go and been like, yeah, sucks for you. Should have done your due diligence. Right. Um, I wouldn't have built those relationships and we wouldn't still be friends with them where we are right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's a big one. I probably one of the biggest reasons I got out of real estate is the relationships were so much harder than I thought they were going to be. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Especially on a community our size. I know it's insane. It's like, if you, if you don't do everything you can to make someone feel like you did your, you know, your very best, it doesn't take long to shut you down. No, it really doesn't. And then, you know, there's always one that, you know, some little tiny mistake that could have happened to any realtor and they're going to go all over town and tell them what a horrible realtor you are. And nobody ever hears the good. They only hear once there's bad out there. Which luckily I didn't really have that problem, but I saw it a lot. And I was like, yeah. I don't want to get to that point because I'm too involved in my community right. to want to have that type of something hanging over me. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was really happy to be able to change careers this year. Yeah. Or embrace my second job, you know? <laughs> right. So um, my favorite question for everybody who comes on the show is what does keep growing mean to you? Keep growing? Yeah. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll, <laughs> <I> get, <laughs> keep growing to me is something I live by anyways. Um, when I was growing up, we didn't have much. Um, my parents did the best they could, you know, but I have watched my mom keep growing. She's continually trying to do better. And my dad, he did. He tried. He bought his own truck at one point, drove truck for himself. And so, but I think if we're not, then we're just getting stagnant. I don't think we're on this earth to be stagnant necessarily. I think we're here to enjoy it. But I think with the little time we're given, we should make the biggest impact that we can with as many people as we can and make as many relationships as possible. That's wonderful. I, I don't know that I was expecting that answer like that kind of got me a little bit. (laughs) I mean, growth, growth to me, isn't necessarily like making more money. It's being more of myself than I have been for either my kids and my, or my community or, or all of the above. I I get it. I, that was the reason I even came up with this is after a year long, horrible postpartum where I realized that I wasn't being the person that I wanted to be anymore, which is that when I decided that it was time, I, I had stopped growing and I needed to embrace that. And that's what got me to where I'm at right now. And so I want to remind everybody of that every opportunity I get. Yeah. Yeah. So do you guys want to tell everyone where they can find you? Uh, Yeah. So I do, I have a website for our water locating company. It's www 
www.americanwaterlocators.com. Writing that down. And that website has my phone number and email. So people can get a hold of me that. But um, I was going to say, and you mentioned your coffee. Do you guys yeah. want to talk? We have some time. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your coffee before we wrap it up. Yeah. So, uh, so we have, we do fair trade organic coffee. Um, we've been doing it for, um, like, I think it's more, how long have we been doing it? I don't know, like 10 years. 10 years or something. Um, and we just recently started a new, um, a new company called Norse Roots Roasters. And, um, we're using a lot of the, um, a lot of the profit, a lot of the profit for our trips to Guatemala. We have a trip planned, hopefully in November to go back to Guatemala. Oh, that's so, wonderful. Oh, so, um, we're pretty excited about it. Um, we haven't pushed our coffee. I've done small amounts of our coffee around here, but I have, we haven't pushed a lot of it since we moved here because I had a baby mm-hmm. and did a lot of the coffee pushing, even though he did the roasting. So, uh, we just needed to get settled and now we're doing that. Um, so we really enjoy that. And, um, and then out of nowhere, Steven started a blog what, or not a blog, a video blog. I don't know what you would call uh, it. YouTube channel. It's a vlog. <laughs> blog. 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 <laughs> we're gonna see if uh you know just see I don't how know. That goes. it's just it's just for fun really it's for fun yeah for family friends right. whatever happens happens but it's actually been fun it has been fun yeah so um that's exciting i'm gonna definitely link that in the show notes so what's funny about the coffee is um i mean yeah maybe people all the time are like so wait you you spend a bunch of time roasting coffee and basically don't pay yourself so that you can go down to guatemala and not get paid and i'm like that sums it up i work for free so that i can go work for free (laughs) and uh you know i get that as a farmer um but the way we do it in our community is we started oh yeah nice yeah. make sure that that gets shown in my notes and i love your new logo it's oh. awesome through the logo <laughs> that's so cool mm-hmm. but yeah, like farmer when we decided to start raising hogs is we our kids were doing 4-h down in oregon and we wanted to get some show pigs for them and we paid 350 a piece for show pigs wow and we were just like flabbergasted at the price i mean people always joke you know like i remember when i did fair pigs i paid 50 bucks a piece for them okay yeah that was 20 years ago so you know but i still felt like it was just too much i feel like you know because i would turn around in the fall they'd be selling the same piglets same breed everything for 150 200 and I was like, this yeah. is ridiculous. You're just price gouging for each kids because you can. Yeah. And yeah, there is more that goes into them. And I do charge my four each kids more for pigs, but I'm like 25 or 50 more just to cover the extra shots that are required for fair and the extra follow-up I do with all the kids. 
but because we'll like, you know, if they need a medication or something, rather than this kid having to go and buy like a big old thing of it from North 40, I'll just run down to their house and handle it for them and stuff. And so, but I mean, my cost is only to cover my additional costs, but that's why we started raising the hogs is so that we could provide them more to 4-H kids. And then we also donate two whole hogs a year um, to something in the county that's happening. Like this year, we did it for the fireworks. Nice. Um, everybody who donated more than $50 for the fireworks got a ticket towards one of our hogs. Well, that's awesome. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we do a lot of that where our farm pretty much some days it only covers our farm, but we're okay with that because what we know we're doing for the community. Right. right. Yeah. 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 We actually started raising, well, we're doing sheep and we decided to get a ram because every year when I would go to buy sheep, it was harder and harder to get them. And, um, you know, we ended up getting them from the same places as the 4-H places and the prices were going up from other people and stuff. And so we were like, you know what, let's just breed, get, have a few, breed them. And if we have extras, we can sell them or we can just, you know, <laughs> share. <laughs> yeah. so. That's my husband actually just decided he's always hated lamb and goat from when he was in Iraq. Yeah. And so he finally tried some lamb recently that was, it didn't, it didn't even taste like lamb to me. And I've oh. eaten a lot of lamb and goat. And he was like, okay, it's decided we're doing a lamb every year now. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I mean, I don't really want to raise sheep because I kind of hate sheep. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on how it's processed. Everything we do tastes great. So it does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're goats too, but we're doing them for milk and we've decided we can't, it's too hard for us to harvest them because they're so cute. They're like, so please have to sell yeah. them now. We are like, you know, we can't. <laughs> lambs are pretty cute too but by the time you remove their head from the fence twenty seven thousand times you're like congratulations you get a one-way trip to freezer camp yeah. Yeah, exactly yeah <laughs> can you tell i've raised lambs before <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah although we have the same thing with um rogue pigs like if you're just if you're not going to be nice or you're not going to stay in your confinement or you're going to be a pain to us in any way they'll end up in freezer camp or getting sold to somebody else who's willing to deal with their issues so right for sure yeah there's not enough time when you're as busy as as you know as an yeah. entrepreneur mm -hmm. you don't have to, you don't have time to mess around yeah you don't know and we we have a lot of hogs and if we have one that's a problem it causes the other ones to be a problem yeah, definitely. Because they're like, oh, she made it over the electric fence. Maybe we should try too. And next thing I know, I have 50 hogs in my front yard. Yeah, yeah that's great. Not <laughs> so much. Like we've had to completely redo our lawn this year because we had that issue over the winter and the hot wire was frozen in the snow. So oh, shoot. Yeah. we couldn't even fix it. So we're like, I guess we free range pigs now. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I can. <laughs> happening. I can. Yeah. You know, anything that says free range is way more expensive. So. <laughs> so yeah, I raised free range pigs. That'll be 2000 a hog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, just so I can cover the cost of replacing my lawn. Seriously. <laughs> it's, it's good. We're on 40 acres, but the poor UPS guy like probably thinks we're crazy because there's always some new animal wandering in our driveway. So trying to get into his truck. Yeah. yeah. Yes, we have had pigs and dogs trying to get into the truck at the same time. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so, all right. So how can everybody find your coffee? Um, I will. I, it's a square site. Okay. And I, can I send it to you later? Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, I'll just link it in the show notes once I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's amazing what you're doing. And I know your coffee's good. So I really hope that. We have a blue. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. I'll send you this QR code. Or, yeah. I don't know. I'll send you something with it. Yeah. Okay. Sounds great. So everybody, make sure you go check out what uh, Stephen and Jessa Lynn are doing with their water company and with Norse Roots um, Coffee. And if you want more information on how to buy vacant land, um, I'll link in the show notes, my free guide to buying vacant land. Thank you guys for coming on today. Thank you for having us. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, please head over to your favorite podcast player and leave a comment and review. This helps me to know what you're enjoying and helps others find an episode that can help them. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education, and I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at the Homestead Education and Instagram at Homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at the homesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing.